Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. If you have your Bibles today, turn to the book of Proverbs. Just start off in chapter one. We're going to be all over the place. And thank you so much, Daniel, for the birthday wishes earlier. Uh, nothing like getting cupcakes on my birthday, right, man? Uh, those will be awesome on the way out. And so make sure you grab one of those. Thank you so much, uh, church. Hey, I want to preach on this subject today, nine things I know. I know that's a weird title, but let, let me tell you kind of where I'm going. You know, I've told you before, I read through the book of Proverbs daily. I read a chapter in Proverbs every day and just corresponds with the day of the year. And I'm just always amazed at the wisdom and the knowledge that is in the book of Proverbs. And so what, what I want to do today is as I go through these, I, in my Bible, you'll find in my, I highlight, I circle, I devote, I write things out beside these Proverbs. And every now and then I just overflow with Proverbs. And so today I want to do uh, nine things I know through the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to talk about yeah, there's a, obviously we know they're true because they're in the Bible, but we also know they're true because of personal experience. And so I want to take us through those today and let the Lord speak to our hearts through really various passages. And I know uh, Josh just asked me a moment ago, how many, how many uh, points are in my sermon? I said nine, and his eyes got big. I'll do it quickly. I promise I'll, I'll do it quick, quickly. Uh, this past year, um, uh, uh, 2020, it's my last 2020 illustration of the year, as far as I know, but I've saved this one till today. Even the earth wanted 2020 to be over with in a hurry. Because in 2020, the earth, this blows my mind, the 28 fastest days on record in all of history happened in 2020. Now let that th- sink in just for a moment. The fastest days In scientific history, 28 of them, 1 through 28, all happened in 2020. Normally, the earth rotates at about 84,600 seconds, which equals 24 hours. That's called a mean solar day. But we know that because of the rotation of uh, the way the earth rotates, that uh, it can be off since we've invented atomic clocks, they can be off by a millisecond or so every day. As a matter of fact, the earth's rotation has changed slightly because of the movement of its own core and even the weather and ocean patterns can, can uh, speed the earth up or slow it down. And here's what's fascinating about 2020, the fastest days on record, I don't know if that's sinking into you the way it did to me, all happened in 2020. Here's what that tells me, literally the earth was trying to get 2020 over with last year. He's like, we got to get out of 2020. I'm tired of this myself. And I read that and I thought, the fact is, life in general flies by. Right? Even researchers look at this anomaly. I, I mentioned this to you in a sermon before, but the idea is that we perceive a period of time, the way we perceive a period of time is in pr- proportion to how much time we've already experienced. So, for example, a two-year-old, to a two-year-old, one year of their life is 50% of their life. So, one year in the life of a two-year-old is an enormous amount of time. Well, in a 10-year-old, it's only 10%. 
And, and, and in a 20-year-old, it's 5%. And, and in a 50-year-old, for those of you who, who've made 50 already, the, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to the day, but the 50-year-old, you know, it's 2% of their life. Which means when you're two, a year seems like forever. By the way, it's why the first summer after first grade lasts for eternity. And it's why the summer after high school goes by in a blink. Because you've already had 12 of those go by. It doesn't, it's not as big a thing to you. And so time is perceived in proportion. That's why those of us who have, uh, excuse me, those of you who have a little age on you, that's why. That's why time flies by. That's why we can, uh, psychologists tell us, that's why we can remember a birthday or a Christmas when we're young, but we can't remember last year's. Because that first Christmas in our memory is burned into our minds, but last year's just one of a whole bunch of those that are in our mind to process. And so last year's was not burned into our brain as much as that first one that's in our memory. And so you know that when you're young, time is going to drag on. And when you're older, you'd give anything if you could slow it down just a little bit. If you're, if you're a teenager today, if you're young in your 20s, know this. It, us, uh, those old folks who talk about life flying by, life does fly by. But as someone aptly said, it's not the years in your life, but the life in your years that really matter. And can I tell you this this morning, which is the premise of my whole sermon today, that you'll get more life in your years in this world and in the next if you follow the life that the Lord has laid out for us. You want life in your years? You want years in your life? The book of Proverbs tells us that that comes to, for a life that is spent following the Lord. I want to tell you, nothing saps the life out of you like a life lived in disobedience from God. I don't know if you heard the story or not, but the guy who was walking on the sidewalk and he looked up on the front porch and he saw a, a real elderly lady sitting up on the front porch and he thought he'd just be friendly because she looked so peaceful, so content, just rocking back and forth on the front porch. And he looked up at her, he said, ma'am, I can't notice, can't help but notice how happy you look. What's been the secret to a long, happy life? She said, well, son, I, I drink a quart of hard liquor a day. I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. And I, don't, I have never denied myself any sin or indulgence my heart has desired. Well, he was stunned. He said, ma'am, I've never heard anything like that. Do you mind asking me how old you are? And she looked down at him and said, yeah, I'm 28. Yeah, like if you're going to live that way, can I tell you, walking without the Lord will take the life right out of you. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to give us some advice on living long. I want to give us some advice on having life in your years and years in your life, making sure that you have plenty more years to come, and the years you do have are blessed with the life. And these are straight out of the book of Proverbs. And by the way, I called it nine things I know because they're straight out of life observation as well. Let me give you nine. I'm going to preach quickly. Number one is this. I want you to know this. I know that you can get yourself in a mess God won't get you out of. Now, hold on before you disagree with me. I want you to look at, look at the verses. He, he, he says it in uh, Proverbs 1, since I called uh, out and you refuse, 
extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I, in turn, will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you, then they will call me, but I will not answer. They will search for me, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge, didn't choose to fear the Lord, were not interested in my counsel, and rejected all my correction, they will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. I want to tell you, those are some hard verses to read. And the writer here of Proverbs is begging his audience to seek out the wisdom of God. Here's what he tells the audience. He said, I implore you as the reader of Proverbs to pay attention to godly counsel. To listen to God when he speaks to your life. To find wisdom in God's words. To live according to wisdom and to live according to the Bible. Here's what he said. He said, here's what you need to do. If you want to have a happy life, just take the word of God, find the wisdom that's in the word of God, and do what the word of God says. And then he says, some of you aren't going to do that. And he says something that is near startling. He says, if you hated knowledge, if you chose to ignore the Lord, if you rejected counsel and warnings. Here's what he said. Let me see if if I can go back to it. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be glutted with their own schemes. Here's what God says to us, and and you need to hear this because sometimes in the Christian life, sometimes in the Christian life, we we, we have this tendency to use our relationship with God as a big old safety net, and we say, hey, no matter what I get myself into, I know God will get me out. But that's not what God says. God says if you plunge headlong into trouble— Despite God clearly warning you, despite the Bible uh, clearly warning you, despite a preacher in a sermon clearly warning you, despite the Holy Spirit in your heart clearly warning you, then here's what God says. You will get into calamity, into a mess that God will not get you out of. As a matter of fact, it's so hard. You hate to even read it. God says, hey, I, I may even laugh at your calamity. You say, preacher, that's a strong word, but listen to me. Sometimes God will let us reap the consequences of our actions and disobedience that teach us that disobedience is not really the path we want to go. If he bailed us out, if we, were, if we were defiant in the face of God, if we were defiant with a disobedient heart and God bailed us out of every situation, then we would always choose disobedience. And so God said, listen to me, you can get yourself in a mess that you can't get, I'm not going to get you out of. And I know what you're thinking, man, I, I thought it too. I know what you're thinking, wait a minute, preacher, what about all those verses about God rescuing us and God never leaving us or God never forsaking us or the love of God? Look, all those verses are true. This verse does not contradict predict that whatsoever but I want to remind you of the New Testament story of the prodigal son you you remember that story that God didn't deliver him out of his mess at all not at all he was in a pig pen and he came to his senses got his heart right and returned to his father that's exactly the prescription that God assigns 
to us. Listen, I know I've seen it. I've seen people who have plunged headlong into wrong, who have plunged headlong into sin, despite the Word of God warning them, despite people around them warning them, despite godly counsel warning them, and then they expect God to bail them out. And God says, listen, I'm not always going to do that. There are going to be times when you ignore all of my counsel. You know what? You're going to get yourself in a mess that you're going to have to get yourself out of because I'm not going to bail you out. Here's what you need to know. Here's what I know. Sometimes he leaves us in the hog pen of our own making so that you learn disobedience ain't all it's cracked up to be. So that you learn a life away from God is not all uh, we think it is. So that we learn that sin and that disobedience that lures us in, that we learn sometimes God's just going to leave us in the hog pen until we work our own way out. I mean, there are plenty of times God rescues us. I'll end on that note today. There's plenty of times God rescues us. But there are times when God says, you know what? Uh, you got yourself into that. You get yourself out of that. I know you can get yourself in a mess. God won't get you out of Number two, I want to tell you this. I know that you can't go wrong by being right. Look, look what he said in Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. My son... Don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring many days of full life and well-being. That's such an important phrase, many days of full life and well-being. Want to live a full life? Here's what God said. He says, I can give you three things. He said, I can give you many days, which is in the Hebrew, literally means a long life. He said, I can give you full life. In the Hebrew, it meant the joy of living. And then he said, I can give you well-being. That's the Hebrew word that means peace, security, success, prosperity. Now, that's what we all want out of life, right? We all want that out of life. We all want many years to see our families grow and succeed. We all want joy in those years and those living in life. And we all want success and prosperity and peace in our relationships. Well, here, here's what he said. You, you want that to happen? Here's what he said. So let your heart keep my commands. Let your heart keep my commands. Here, here's what he's trying to tell us. No matter where life takes you or what circumstances may come your way, you stay true to the Word of God and you cannot go wrong by being right. Now listen, that's not a, that, that's not a pie in the sky, nothing's ever going to go wrong in your life kind of statement. We know that's not true. But we need, do know that in general speaking in life, if you keep the commands of, Lord, of the Lord, that you cannot go wrong. Thirdly, I, I want to see this. I, I love this one. Thirdly, I know that you need to keep your body in the boundaries. I love, I love these verses because of their practicality. It's, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Look at this. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. Don't let your lips talk deceivously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Keep your body in the boundaries. Here's what I know. It's such a practical verse, and here, here's what he says. I'll, I've always loved it because of its practicality. Here, here's what he said. Four things. He said, number one, you got to pay attention to your heart. Guard your heart, right? That's your mind. That's your heart. Guard your heart. Number two, you got to pay attention to your mouth, your lips. Control your tongue. Number three, he said, you got to watch your eyes. 
Don't let your eyes wander onto things they shouldn't be on. Number four, you've got to watch your feet. That is, you've got to map out your walk. The word literally there, I was surprised by the meaning of that phrase about your feet. It literally meant to map out your path for life. Like choose a godly path and map it out. And so here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Get this. If you don't fall in love with the things you shouldn't, if you watch what you say and listen more than you talk, if you keep your eyes fixed forward and off the immoral, and if you don't go where you shouldn't go, but go where you should go, can I tell you this? It's going to be really hard to be a failure in life. It's going to be really hard. If you guard your heart, if you guard your eyes, if you guard your mouth, if you guard your feet, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard to get into any kind of trouble. Keep your body in those boundaries, and you'll have success in life. And you say, preacher, that's obviously pretty simple. It it is simple, and it was meant to be, because God's telling you this. If you can just have self-control in these areas and dictate your life, in your heart, your mind, your eyes, your mouth, your feet, then it's going to be hard not to be a success. Number four, I know you should choose generosity over greed. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. L- listen to these verses. One person gives freely, yet gains more. Hear that. Gives freely yet gains more another withholds what is right only to become poor a generous person will be enriched and the person who gives a drink of water will receive water now, now, now let me let me let me let me sandwich the positives together for us one person gives freely yet gains more a generous person will be enriched The one who gives a drink of water will receive water. Anyone who withholds what is right will become poor. Choose generosity over greed. And I've noticed this in personal, by nature, I'm not a generous person. I'll just be honest with you. It's not my nature. My my nature is to get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid, right? That's my, that is my, my general disposition, uh, when, it, when it comes to that, I, I just, you know, some of us raised differently, and so that's the way I am. But here's what I know. Here's what I've had to learn from the Bible, that when you have the option between giving and taking, always choose giving. The Bible says when you give freely, then you gain more. Wait, what? When you give freely, you gain more. You say, well, preacher, how can that possibly be? Because I view my resources as finite resources. And God says, don't view your resources as finite resources. View your resources as an infinite resource that comes from God. Because here's what the proverb is trying to tell us. That when you give to others, God gives to you. And the interesting thing is, when you try to save, when you try to hold on to what you have, the Bible says God will send um, loss your way. Remember, the Bible says God will send poverty your way. Now, that doesn't always mean poverty in finances, though it obviously does there. But it could mean poverty in relationships, poverty in spirit, poverty in our emotions. That giving unlocks generosity, unlocks uh, freedom in our lives. It unlocks uh, so much good in our lives. And, and holding on unlocks poverty in so many areas. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us this. Let me see if I can go back again. 
The Bible tells us this. That I love this. Don't miss this. A generous person will be enriched. The word in the Hebrew, because it's an unusual word to find in the Bible, enrich. The word in the Hebrew means to grow fat. That a generous person will grow fat. What is that? That was a picture of having more than enough. That a generous person, when I choose generosity over greed, that a generous person will grow fat from the Lord. So here's what that means. Throughout your life, you're going to have opportunities to give to people in need. You're going to have opportunities to give into the kingdom of God. You're going to have opportunities to give into people who have blessed your life. Always be generous. By the way, don't wait until you have it. It's a lie of the devil. You'll never get it. You don't get more by waiting to get more. You get more by giving. Always choose generosity over grief. Great life principle. Number five, here's what I know, that you're not as smart as you think you are. Right? Now, Proverbs tells us this, chapter 12, verse 15. Look at this. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. Whoever listens to counsel is wise. Let me hit it quickly and move on. Especially when you're young in life, you're a teenager. Look, I know you hit 13 and supernatural knowledge of the Almighty gets implanted in your brain and suddenly you think you know everything, right? Then you get older in life and you're sure you know everything when you're older in life, right? Like it kind of never stops. Can I tell us all this? I'm moving on. You're wrong both times. Here's what the Proverbs is trying to tell us. That you know, in our own life, sometimes you, you, you know the old phrase, you can't see the forest for the trees. And here's what God was trying to tell us. Like, a fool's way. All the, uh, an idiot always thinks he's right. Right? You say, preacher, that's a tough word. Well, only if you think you're the idiot. I mean, that's, other than that, it's fine. Here's, here's what he says. Uh, we, this, this idiot always thinks he's right. So here's what he said. Always have wise counselors and listen to them when they speak into your life. Can I tell you what many of us are missing in our lives? Our wise counselors that we surround ourselves with because you're not as smart as you think you are and i want to piggyback point number six right on top of this because point number six is this give people permission to perfect you look at look at verse 31 one who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise the word rebuke there is exactly what you think it is. It is to correct a wrong. and Five and six kind of go together, but can I say you have to have people in your life that you'll listen when they rebuke you. And can I tell you what that means? That means three things. That means three things. Number one, it means you need to have wise people in your life. life. Now, now, some of us have people in our life, but they're not wise, right? Like, like we're going to you know, we're going to work to get marriage advice, which is typically not the best place to get marriage advice. And we're going to work to get financial advice, which is always not the best. Like, so we have people in our lives, but it's not wise people. And we need to surround ourselves. You need to have a group of counselors in your life, a group of people in your life, whether it be one, two, or three people in your life that have permission to look at your 
uh, be that independent third party to examine some major decision you're about to make. You need to have wise people in your life. Number two, you need to give them permission to speak into your life. Like they need to have permission to say, hey, just, you know, since you asked, yeah, that's the dumbest thing in the world. Like you need some people to say that to you, right? And number three, here's what that means, that you don't go berserk when they do. Right, because sometimes we can have the wise people. Sometimes we'll, we'll ask them to speak in their lives. And sometimes when they actually rebuke us, we go berserk and, and, and break down our friendship. And listen, they're only trying to make you better. I mean, that's pastors. That's leaders in your life. That's successful people you may surround yourself with. That's godly People you may surround yourself, that's mentors, those are friends, those are parents. You need to give people permission to perfect you and your life will be better if you do. Number seven, here's what I know. That you can't come out on top by living on the bottom. Look, look at this verse, Proverbs 28, 13. The one who conceals his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. I've claimed this verse in my quiet time for more years than I can remember. Can I tell you this? Can we, can we just be honest, just us? A few thousand people watching online, it's just, just us. It's, we're all going to have sin in our lives. Can you say amen right there? We're all going to have sin, right? Just want you to admit it out loud. We're all going to do it. It's a casualty of being human. But what you do with that sin determines your direction in life. There's only two things to do with sin in your life. Number one is this, conceal and continue. This is the guy that says, I don't care about the consequences. I don't care about the repercussions. I don't care about the outcomes. I like my sin. I enjoy my sin. I'm going to keep doing my sin. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what it... Uh, cost others I don't care the disruption it makes in my life and others life I'm enjoying my sin and so I'm just going to conceal and continue my sin the one who conceals his sin say it with me will not what prosper I mean you can do that if you want to but when you conceal and continue in your sin I'm telling you you are if you're a child of God you are determining that prosperity and success are going to be foreign to your life you can't get around the Bible it's always true so you say what do I do well the proverb gave us a second option that is forgive and forsake but whoever confesses his sin shall find mercy that is when the spirit of God convicts your heart you allow the Holy Spirit to do his work and you seek forgiveness from your sin that word renounce in there is the word abandon listen you get totally away from it and here's where we get confused in the Christian life sometimes we come to an altar and we confess our sin with every intention of going right back and doing it again we're just trying to get some guilt off of us and the Bible says hey that doesn't work there's only two ways to get the forgiveness and the mercy of God in your life and to get that prosperity back in your life what is it you have to confess it and forsake it you have to get it forgiven and you have to forsake that sin and there are those of us who are listening today that we're concealing and continuing in our sin and we have the idea that well nobody knows about it that's just it's a ludicrous idea god knows 
He's the one that failure and success come from. God knows. And the longer you conceal and continue, the more you're setting yourself up for a horrific fall in the future. Get it forgiven and forsaken. Number eight, I want to tell you this, family matters. One thing I know in life is that family is a big deal, like a really big deal. Who you live with will make or break your life. I've seen it over the years. I, I mean, it's just true. We all know it's true, but can I just say it? I've seen it over the years that family stri strife and stress are cripplers in your life. Cripplers in your life. So here's what Proverbs 17:1 says. Better dry crust with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. The writer said, I'd rather have a family that had nothing but was happy than a family that had everything but was full of stress and anxiety. It means two things and I'm done. One, if you're not married, it means you need to choose well. Make sure that the person you decide to marry is the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Like think beyond the wedding and all the fun that is. And think beyond, think 40 years down the road. Do you want to be living with this guy? You say, well, preacher, I know he's going to change. Eh, he's going to get worse. <laughs> well, preacher, she, she's, she's going to get, she's, she'll, she'll change. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. Get worse. Choose well. But it means, number two, you need to live well. Can I tell you this? You don't become a good husband at the altar. You become a legal one. You don't become a good wife at the altar. You become a legal one. That means you have to spend the rest of your life learning to be a better husband, a better parent, a better wife, a better mother. Family matters. Church is great, but you don't go home with me. You go home with the people you came with. Family matters so much that you need to choose well, and then you need to live well and make your decision the right decision. Number nine, I'm finished. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I know. When all else fails, God that's a lesson you need to hear today. That's a lesson you need to hear for the rest of your life, that you can trust God with eternity. Here, here's what it says, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. The one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Here's what that means. You can trust God with your eternity if you're here today and not a Christian. Hear me. You can trust God with your eternity, and then you can trust God with your life, and then you can trust him with your living, and you can trust him with your finances and with your family with your ethics I can testify today that God will not let you down can I hear an amen when all else fails know this God will be there everybody in this room who's been alive for more than a minute has known when people walk out the door on us people turn their back on us people fail us but listen to me God has never failed nine things I know and the last one I want you to hear is this God will never fail close your bibles i'm close your notes i'm finished i, I told you last week i was going to tell you the six most important months in a person's life and then i'm going to i'm going to end with a story but steve parr wrote a book called why uh, why they stay 
And they did massive research into, I'm going to bring him here and let him speak on the subject one day. They did massive research on, on what causes a person, a, a, a teenager, a child who was raised in church, why do they stray or stay once they graduate from high school? And here's what all the massive amounts of research, here's what all their research determined when they did it. That the six-month period after graduation is the most important six months in their entire life. Listen to this. A student that is still in church at Thanksgiving the year after their high school graduation. Follow me. A student that is still in church at Thanksgiving somewhere, home church, but they're plugged in, involved in a church. A a student that is still at church in Thanksgiving after the high school graduation is 138% more likely to be in church at age 35. 138%. The most important six months in the life of a child is the six months right after they get out of high school. Some of you say, well, preacher, I'm too late for me. Well, hold on, hold on. You can still make good decisions and reverse bad ones even today. I saw this story, and how many of you know that there was voter fraud last year? Anybody, anybody willing to admit there was voter fraud last year? Well, not what you think, though. Uh, this, this mom and daughter uh, were probably the most notorious, famous voter fraud of 2020 because um, this Florida teen, these two pictures over here, have, she was just arrested uh, last, but she's just been determined that they're going to try her as an adult. Emily Grover was 17 when she was arrested in March. She turned 18 in April, so they're going to try her as an adult. And her mom is 50. And it all has to do with Tate High Homecoming Queen. And by the way, it happened in Florida. It seems like all stories like this happen in Florida. But her mom is an assistant principal at Bellevue School in the same county school system as as she was... um, uh, uh, a senior in high school, and so she and her daughter accessed the school's database because as a vice principal, she had access to it, and because of COVID, they were doing all voting for superlatives online, including for the homecoming court, and so they went in and hacked the system, and they found students who had not yet voted, and they went in and cast their votes for their daughter, her and her daughter, and they found it because there were 117 votes from the same IP address, <laughs> and that's when they discovered that on her home computer, their home cell phones, they had cast a total of 246 votes for their daughter, for her daughter, and her daughter was involved to win. Homecoming queen. Now, if if you're if you were or are homecoming queen, just let me know. We're very proud of you. But let me also say it's not worth going to jail over. Listen, they are facing that six month period I'm talking about. They are both facing. Hear me, a 16 year prison sentence. And can I just tell you this? That is the worst possible way to start off your adult life. 
worst possible way. It doesn't get any worse than that. 16 years in prison. You say, what a terrible thing for a 17-year-old to do. Boy, I agree. What a worse thing for a 50-year-old mama to do. Yet. Yet. Some here didn't do a whole lot better your first six months. Listen to me, you need to do what the prodigal son did and come home to Jesus. Some of you are raising your children and training your children. You need to be aware of how important the values you instill in your kids are and how important those years are. Some of you, your life has been a comedy of errors up to where you are today. Some of you are here and you saw your thing in that sermon in Proverbs. And some of you are here, you're not even 100% sure you're going to heaven when you die. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're watching online, Jeremy's got a word for you just now. Online. Listen to him. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. Um, I love the book of Proverbs. And and really, um, Pastor Joel has given us nine things from the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a book of good practical advice for life and living. I'm so surprised by the statistic he used that says if if a kid is in church by Thanksgiving after he graduates high school, he is 138% more likely to be in church by age 35. What an important time in the life of a human being. And, uh, and so we need to encourage people and we need to be in church and um, we need to be worshiping together. And uh, there's one other verse, I believe it's Proverbs 18, 24, that says, you may have many friends, and this is the Jeremy Elam paraphrase, you may have many friends, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. No matter what decisions you make, that decision to make Jesus your friend, the Lord and Savior of your life is the most important decision you can make. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. Sin started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Ever since then, all of us have been born sinners. No one had to teach you how to lie, cheat, steal. Um, All of those things, they come naturally to us. We have to be willing to admit that we're sinners. We have to believe that Jesus died on the cross that he was buried dead in the tomb, and on the third day he rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell for me and for you. And then Romans 10, verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never called on the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's no better time than today to do that. And so if God has spoken to your heart and you need to give your heart and life to Christ today, let me encourage you to pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross, that you were buried dead in the tomb, and on the third day you rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell for me. God, I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning, I want to tell you welcome to the family. 
we want to connect with you. And so um, if you would um, take out your phone and um, text me your name to 423-800-1871. That comes directly to my cell phone and I would love to connect with you this morning and send you some information in the mail that'll help you take next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. You can't do it alone. We want to be there for you this morning. Man, it's been awesome to be in God's house today. I've enjoyed the worship and the powerful message from God's Word, and um, I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.